hey everybody, let me give a shout out to everybody who's with us on all six of our campuses and our friends who are watching the service on the live stream in Singapore and Montana. Man, we're glad that you're with us here. Uh, we're glad because I'm going to be talking about something today that literally could change your life. Now for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about, we've been in a series of messages that we're calling All In. And man, we've been working hard on some new ways to take care of people in our church and make it easier for people to enjoy all the good things God is doing through our church. Consequently, we've been asking you guys to fill out cards like this uh, every week. Uh, and I just want to say how much I appreciate, you know, how many of you have just gotten all in on that. Uh, we have had an amazingly high percentage of folks fill these cards out and turn them back in. Uh, we asked you two weeks ago to fill out a membership card, kind of to re-up uh, as a member here at Compassion. You know, when you're a member of a New Testament church, basically what you're saying is, I want you to think of me as part of the family. And I want you to be treating me like part of the family. Man, if you need help, call me. If I need help, I'm calling you. And that's why we're asking everybody, I mean everybody, 100% of us, to sign one of these membership cards so that we'll know who you are, even if you're not a member and you're thinking about it, but you're not quite ready yet, man, sign one of these cards so we'll be able to get in touch with you if we need to. And let me tell you why that's super important. Uh, last week, I met a family at a gas station out in Bullock County, whose daughter spotted me while they were driving by and said, that's Pastor Cam. And they just whipped in the gas station. They were going to a super challenging time as a family. And of course, like every strong family, man, they were on their way to handle it. And when they saw me, they pulled in off the road so I could pray for them. And friends, I prayed for them at that gas station and I've been praying for them ever since. But the minute they drove off, Man, I got on my phone and I started making calls to their campus pastor so that we could support them. And he said, man, we'll be glad to do it. What's their name? And I, I was like, uh, dude, you know I'm old, right? And he's like, I can remember their first names, but I couldn't remember their last name. And man, thank God, you know, they're members of our Effingham campus. And man, their pastors took those first names and went to our database, figured out exactly who it was. And man, they started reaching out to them and sending teams, you know, that could love on them and help them through this super challenging time. And I'm just telling you, when you fill this card out, you are helping us help you. You are helping us help you. So man, when something comes up in your life, we'll be able to reach out to you as well. Now, you did the same thing last week, you know, by identifying what life group or discipleship group you're in. And man, that again is helping us help you get connected to the life of our church here. Plus, man, it enables us to create a simple, you know, obvious path for our brand new friends to help them get connected. And, and so I just want to say, way to go, team. Uh, thank you that so many of you have just been all in on all of this. Now, if you miss signing up on that membership card, uh, you can watch this message on the web and there's an electronic version of the card on the app and on the web at the end of that message that you can fill out uh, or you can just go to Connecting Point at any one of our campuses and there's a, a paper version right there that you can fill out as well. But this week, <clears throat> once again, we're gonna take a look at an all-in commitment that Jesus made that he is calling every compassion Christian to make as well. So let's just repeat these battle cries that mean so much and make so much difference in the life of compassion Christians. These are the values, literally, that mark followers of Jesus who are all in. Here we go. Put the next screen up, please. Number one, big voice, y'all. Come on. We reach our one. Number two, we grow together. Number three, we make a difference. And number four, we join the team. 
Now, friends, this is not a just sit on the sidelines and watch kind of church. There are churches like that. And if you're looking for one, wrong church, dude. I mean, you can, you can sit on the sideline and watch for a little while while you're figuring everything out. But this is an all-in kind of church because you are never going to experience the full power and joy and blessing of being a part of God's family until you just decide to get all in. And friends, following Jesus and getting all in, just go together and claiming that you love Jesus and living half in or barely in just doesn't go together. I have a good friend named Gene Apple. And uh, he's a great preacher. He's preached for us here at Compassion before. And when Gene went to college, he met a girl named Carmel. And, and he used to tease her and say, hey, if we got married, your name would be Carmel Apple. Which might be why he never got a date with that girl. But it's kind of like, you know, if Yoko Ono married Sonny Bono, her name would be Yoko Ono Bono, right? Or if Oprah married Deepak Copra, she'd be Oprah Copra, you know? Or if... Uh, Snoop Doggy Dog married Winnie the Pooh. It'd be Snoop Doggy Dog Pooh. Now that looked bad and I should not. Some of these things just don't make sense. You know what I'm saying? They don't make sense. Let me tell you another match that does not make sense. A follower of Jesus who is not all in and making a difference. That don't make sense. And listen, that's why people in our world call Christians hypocrites when they see us like that. Because it doesn't make sense to them either. And let me tell you, it just doesn't work. Uh, I recently heard about a lady in a church of a friend of mine who was pretty dissatisfied with her church. Uh, she started going to Rusty's church about a year earlier. She didn't know the Lord. She didn't have any church background. Uh, but when she started coming to church, man, she got hit. I mean, the love of Christ in that church surprised her. And the truth of the messages began to convict her. And the sacrificial love of Jesus, you know, inspired her. So eventually she just put her faith in Jesus. And man, she was baptized into Christ. It was cool. But about three months later, she dropped out. She just disappeared. And Rusty didn't see her for like seven months. And then she came back one Sunday and he's like, man, what happened to you? Where you been? And she said, you know, honestly, I've been having buyer's remorse. He's like, buyer's remorse? What are you talking about? She said, well, you know, I was invited to your church and I came and I heard the messages and I was moved by them and I put my faith in Jesus and I was baptized and my life did not change. I had all these problems before I gave my life to Jesus. I still got all the same problems. God didn't fix a one, didn't work for me. That's why I quit. And then Rusty asked her a couple questions, you know, like we've been talking about for the last couple weeks. And then he told her something that I will never forget. And I hope that you will never forget either. He said, listen, God has an awesome plan for your life but you must choose to participate. Amen? Amen? Come on, let's say it all together now, big voice, come on. God has an awesome plan for your life, but you must choose to participate. And listen, I think so many people get disappointed with God and Jesus and the church because they think the Christian life is magic, right? I mean, they think, you know, you go through some, you say some phrase or you do some deed and abracadabra, boom, man, the sun comes out and stress lifts and peace comes in and then you just live happily ever after and it's automatic. Can I tell you that is a narcissistic fairy tale and we all know narcissism is mental illness, amen? 
Friends, that fairy tale has never been true. It is not true today. The believers who knew Jesus personally and followed him never taught that. And believing that nonsense will set you up like it did that lady for some totally inappropriate disappointment because Jesus never promised to help spiritual consumers have it their way. That's Burger King, not the King of Kings. You know, Burger King thrives because it accommodates consumers. The King of Kings is trying to transform consumers and make them like him, a spiritual contributor. Now, friends, a consumer mentality will net you nothing in your spiritual life. Nothing. It's when you throw your heart in the ring like Jesus did. And man, you get all in. You know, you do what Jesus says. You think like Jesus thinks. You love like Jesus loves. Man, that's when your life will begin to change. And I tell you, there is a peace and a joy and a fruitfulness and a fulfillment that only comes to those who choose to get all in serving the eternal purposes of Christ. And none of those blessings come to consumers. They all go to contributors. And I want to show you a great example of this. It comes right out of the life of Jesus. Turn with me in your Bible to John chapter 4. Everybody say John chapter 4. Now, if you've got your Bible, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, you can turn to page 889 in the Blue Bible. It's in all of our worship centers. This is, the, uh, this is a really famous story. And, and I just want to show you something today that literally will change your life. Uh, these verses come at the very end of the story of Jesus and his encounter with a woman at the well. Now, if you're with me on our New Testament challenge, you know where we're all trying to read through the New Testament twice this year. We're doing two chapters a day, five days a week. Uh, man, if you want to jump in on the New Testament challenge, just start following me on Instagram. I put the text for tomorrow up every day or just read Luke 12 and 13 tomorrow and you'll be good to go. But this is a super familiar story. So I'm just going to give you the big talking points as we go through. Number one, Jesus is tired after a long, hard run of ministry. And so he is resting by Jacob's well while his guys go into the Samaritan city of Sychar to get some food for everybody. Now, if you know your Bible super well, when I say Samaritan, you should think, what? Everybody say, what? Let's practice one time. The disciples went into the city of Sychar. What? Because the Jewish people were so prejudiced against the Samaritans, they would not even go into that town. And I say most Jewish people, because Jesus was Jewish, and there was no prejudice in him. Can I hear amen? amen. There's no prejudice in any follower of Christ who's growing in, in godly ways. So Jesus is alone in an unexpected, unusual place, and a woman comes to the well to draw water. Now, quickly, Jesus has a conversation with this woman that literally goes from, can I have a drink of water, to, why don't you let me give you some living water that will spiritually save you? And then it goes from, hey, let's talk about this sexual sin and codependency that's wrecking your life. And let's talk about how you can find the power to change all that. And then it goes to her running back into Sychar, sharing her testimony as a new believer, telling everybody, come to the well, meet the Messiah of God. This man knows every sinful thing about me and loves me anyway and led me to faith in his father. Now, that's the cliff notes on scene one of this story. All right. Now, follow me here. Scene one is about Jesus reaching out in love to a woman who is far, far, far from God, a woman who has earned a reputation that is so bad 
that she will not even come to the well in the morning in the cool of the day because other women will be there and they don't talk bad about her behind her back. They talk bad about her to her face because she's sleeping with their husbands. This is one of the bad girls of the Bible. Amen. She would be on the TV show Housewives of Sychar. But here's the cool part. (laughs) Jesus reaches out to her with the love of God. He shows her the unconditional compassion that she never saw coming. He helped her turn from her sin and find forgiveness and a new identity and a new way to live. And that is the end of scene one. And then scene two starts when his disciples arrive and they learn that there is a blessing that only comes to people who serve. And we're going to see that Jesus is experiencing something that his disciples don't understand uh, because all they think about is consuming. They're just like most Americans. All they think about is me and how can I get some mo? Look at verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, saying, Rabbi, you need to eat. And he basically says, you know what? I am so satisfied right now. You know, I, I have food to eat that you don't know anything about. And so the disciples said to one another, somebody bring him something to eat? And Jesus said, no, no, no. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. He's saying, guys, I know it's lunchtime and I know you're starving, but I feel so satisfied right now. I know you're ready to lunch and that's all good. But I just got to tell you, man, I am so pumped up about what just happened here. I just had a life changing conversation with this woman And I mean, she came from such a hard background, but her heart was open to the truth and her mind was receptive to the teaching and the Holy Spirit is now changing her in every single way. He said, you remember we had that same talk with a rich young businessman one time and when I gave him the invitation, he turned his back on me and walked away and it broke my heart. But guys, when God uses me to make a difference like I had in that woman a few minutes ago, it just fills me up in a way that food never will. And his disciples didn't get it. They're still thinking to one another, has somebody bring him something to eat? And Jesus says, no, bro. The satisfaction in me is not about what I do for me. The thing that takes me to another place, the thing that fills me in another way is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. And Jesus said, man, that's what makes the difference for me. Friends, there was something about serving that Samaritan woman that blessed Jesus in a way that his disciples just couldn't understand. They're thinking about, you know, they're thinking about consumption. And he's thinking about a contribution. And I'm telling you, people who love like Jesus are spiritual contributors. And people who always think about themselves are spiritual consumers. Now, let's just hit pause here for a moment and let's do... Let's just do a little bit of assessment because some of you, I fear, might be just like the woman I told you earlier. I mean, you're sitting here in church with your little arms folded because, you know, you tried it. Uh, you think faith is not working for you uh, or you tried it a little bit for a little while and didn't, don't feel like it made any difference. And so now you think, well, maybe faith is not even real when the actual problem is you're a spiritual consumer who wants to feel like a spiritual contributor. You want the payoff without having to participate. And it doesn't work like that. So, you've got some paper in your hand. Uh, I'm gonna put a one to 10 scale up here on the monitor. Uh, you got it on your notes on the app. You could write it on your sheet, write it, write it on the back of one of these cards, whatever. Uh, let's just do this one to 10 scale. One is all the way over here. This would be a spiritual consumer. 
You, know, you think the church is a spiritual service uh, provider and you just roll in here to get, to get what you want, all right? And then all the way over here is a spiritual contributor. Now, friends, when we mark this, do not mark 10 unless you gave your life for the sins of the world on a cross and rose again, amen? <laughs> you are not a 10. Now, if you thank you, Jesus, just nudge the person next to you and say, do you think I'm Jesus? And they will tell you, you're not a 10, bro. You don't put 10, dude, you are not Jesus, all right? Matter of fact, don't put anything yet. Let me help you figure this out because this is the great thing about an assessment tool like this. It will show you where you are today, where you are right now. And on that day in John chapter four, Jesus is way over here and the disciples are way over there. But those disciples for the rest of their lives are going to be moving, 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 moving in this direction, except for Judas, because he chose not to. And hopefully, just like those disciples, we're going to be getting stronger and stronger and making a stronger and stronger contribution for the rest of our lives as well. So let's begin this assessment. If you are physically on one of our campuses today and you walked in like you always do, drop your kids off to somebody else who's serving you and your family right now, but you are not serving anywhere in this church. If you come on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning, you sit down in the seat that somebody else sacrificed financially to provide for you and your family, but you don't give anything, you make no offerings, you just come and sit and enjoy everything, but you never give anything, you never do anything. Give yourself a two. Now, I would say one, but that's the devil, and I want to show a little bit of grace here, all right? <laughs> just give yourself, just, now listen, if all you do is benefit and you don't give anything back, that's a consumer, so give yourself a two. Now let's say that you go to Connecting Point after this service or you go to Growth Track next week and you get into a group and then you sign up today to you know, serve on one of these teams and then you put our app, get our app on your phone and you start giving through the app or dropping an offering in the offering box whenever the Spirit moves you, give yourself a four or a five, all right? You just decide. And if you're all in, and let me tell you what all in looks like, Compassionate Christians who are all in, worship an hour, study an hour, serve an hour, every week. Every week. And some of you, honestly, dude, you need to just say, I'm an eight. I'm a nine. Because you make worship a priority, man. You treat it like a weekly appointment with Jesus that you would not break to go golfing or go out on the water or shopping or whatever. Man, you're making a difference. You're serving. Some of you are serving on more than one team. You read your Bible every day to listen to God. You're praying to God for yourself and for your family and for the leaders of your church. Dude, you're bringing people here all the time. You're involved in some local compassion projects from time to time. You got a compassion sticker on your car. That's how all in you are. Amen. <laughs> hey, did y'all get a look at this? I thought this was cool in the last, uh, uh, last administration. <laughs> President Obama rocking a sticker. I'm still working on Trump. I hadn't got it there, but I'm still working on President Trump. All right. You're the kind of person who totally believes that Compassion Christian is not a building. It is a group of people who live their lives to make a difference and represent Jesus every day, everywhere. And bro, if that's you, put it up. You're an eight, you're a nine. You ain't a 10, but you are all in. Now friends, I wanna encourage you to summon your courage and just honestly self-assess where you are today. Now that's not your destiny. But you ought to be honest about where you are right now. Be courageous. Call it what it is. And if you have to honestly say, I'm a six or below, this message is for you. 
Man, I believe God is calling you to get all in because he has a greater plan for your life than you're living right now. Dude, you are missing out on a level of blessing that food and drink and money and property and fancy vacations will never provide for you. And I'm going to give you two easy to remember steps that you can take that will get you moving to the place where just like Jesus, you will say, you know, I just have a habit of life that fills me and fulfills me like nothing else ever has and nothing else can because, friends, there is traction when it comes to identifying your gifts. There's traction that comes when you identify your gifts. Everybody say, identify. Now, Peter was a church leader back in the New Testament days who was totally transformed by Jesus. And this is what Peter said. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Now, I want you to look at this verse. It doesn't say that as a Christ follower, you might have a spiritual gift. It doesn't say you could have a spiritual gift. It doesn't say maybe one day you would have a spiritual gift. It says if you're a follower of Jesus, you have a spiritual gift. If you have the Holy Spirit, you have a spiritual gift. If you don't have the spiritual gift, it's because you're not a Christian because you don't have the Holy Spirit yet. But if you are a follower of Jesus, you have a spiritual gift. And if you don't know what it is, you will in about five minutes. All right. It also says that God gave you spiritual gifts so that you could serve. He didn't expect you to do anything in your own strength. He gives you a gift so that you can serve. And it goes on to say that when you use your gift to serve, you are being a good steward of the variegated grace of God that happens to be in your life. You're a good steward when you serve the purposes of the Lord. Now, what is the opposite of a good steward? Say it for me, y'all. It's a bad steward. The opposite of a good steward is a bad steward. And if you're not serving... Because you're so smart, I won't tell you what you are, all right? So really, when you think about it, according to Peter, you know, the apostle Peter, the only people in the hearing of my voice today that God expects to get all in and use your gift to serve him through this ministry, the only people he expects that of is everybody who loves him, respects him, appreciates him, and is a part of his family. And the rest of you are invited to serve just for fun. Just so you'll be blessed. Friends, you don't even have to be a believer to serve in our church. And you're going to love it. Now, if you want to serve in our church, you have to respect Jesus. You have to respect Jesus to serve here. And there are some roles that you can't serve in unless you're a follower of Jesus. You can't teach unless you believe what Jesus taught. But I'm telling you, man, if you start serving today, you will start being blessed today just like Jesus was when he served that lady. So let's just take a moment, and I want to look at one of the three lists of spiritual gifts in the New Testament so I can help you figure out what your gift is. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12 is two books to the right. Just flip it over, two books to the right. It's on page 948. And the church at Rome was exactly like Compassion Christian Church. And so every gift that was operational in the Roman church is operational in our church. Uh, and God has given every gift to our church that he gave to that church. Now look at what Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, 12 verse 6. He says, we have different gifts. So your gifts are going to be different from mine. Mine is different from yours. According to the grace that was given to us. That's that very grace. He gave you some things. He gave me some things. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If your gift is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If your gift is giving, 
then give generously. If it is to lead, then do that diligently. And if your gift is to show mercy, then do that cheerfully. Now look at the seven gifts that he lists in this passage. Prophecy, serving, teaching, encouragement, giving, leading, and mercy. Seven different spiritual gifts. Every follower of Jesus in this room has one of those gifts. Every single one of you. Some of you may have more. Now the question is, how do you tell which is your gift? Well, the easiest way to determine what your spiritual gift is is not with a test, it's with a test drive. And so if you sign up to serve today, you'll be on the way to discover what your gift is. But just to get you moving in the right direction, let me put you in a simulator for your first test drive. Now, I got my buddy down here that sent me a picture of the new Gulfstream G550 simulator. And can I just tell you that the uh, spiritual gift simulator is a lot less complicated than that. Okay? This is what we think when we think about figuring out our spiritual gift. Uh, I'd like to help you figure out what your gift is with a piece of key lime pie. Anybody want a piece of key lime pie? Derek, get up here, man. Come on. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I want to introduce you to Tess. Where's Tess? Where's my lovely assistant? Come on out here. Meet the first person who was baptized in the new worship center here at our Henderson campus, y'all. Come here, girl. All right. There she is. Love you, love you, love you. All right. Have a seat. This is Tess, and we're going to put her through the key lime pie paradigm. Are you all ready for this? Now, I'm going to give you some responses, and when you hear one and you think, that's me, I want you to write that down, because that's your spiritual gift. You've been using your spiritual gift unconsciously your whole Christian life, but I'm going to help you put a name on it, all right? Now, imagine you're sitting at a table with somebody like Tess here, and you notice that Tess loves key lime pie, but she's a little reckless, and her plate is getting a little close to the edge, and she doesn't notice it, but you do, and you're trying to get over there before she spills it, and oh my goodness, it goes right in her lap, all right? Baby, I'm sorry about that, seriously. All right, now, put it back up here. Here's a napkin to wipe your thumb off. I'll lick that. Give me that thumb. No, I'm just kidding about that. I really like key lime pie. You know, key lime pie is just like eating a vitamin, right? It's just like eating a vitamin. Okay. Now, if you would respond to that scenario by saying, oh, baby, stop. Let me help you with that. Come here. Where's your hand? Let me, serve. Let me wipe this up. Good, good, good. Okay, wipe your shirt off. I'm going to take care of this right here. If you just are constantly thinking, how can I help? How can I sort this out? How can I clean this up? You have the gift of serving. Everybody say serving. If your first impulse is to help, to rescue, to, to fix it, you know, to, to do something, to, to take care of the situation, then you have the gift of serving. It is a noble gift. If your first impulse will say, oh, man, baby, I'm sorry to hear about that. Let me get you another piece of pie. Matter of fact, I'm going to get a piece of pie for everybody. Waiter, bring out all the pies. Come here, I'm going to buy one for everybody. What gift do you have? You have the gift of giving. And there are people in this room, and that's how they respond to stuff. God has blessed them. They like to bless other people. Uh, and, and listen, if, you ha- if I said, all right, everybody with the gift of giving, raise your hand. Not many people would raise their hand. Even though God gave you that gift and you should be proud of it. Amen? <laughs> you won't even say amen. Come on. <laughs> you know why that is? Humility is what activates that gift. You have great capacity and great humility. I'm going to start a ministry in January that I'm calling the Legacy Team. And it is for all the gifted givers in our church. And if you are a gifted giver, I want you to be on that team. You tell me whether you have that gift or not. We're going to start in January. When you turn your card in, if you just write legacy team on the bottom of that card, I'll send you an invitation. I'm going to meet with you three times a year so you can pray with me. 
just so we can pray about how your gift might be able to help. But that's coming in January. Don't worry about it right now. Here's the third thing. If this pie falls, you go, Tess, don't worry about that, baby. Hey, let's get some napkins over here. You, uh, bring some uh, water over here for this. We need some more. We're out of napkins. Come on. Somebody bring some more pie. You, you, wake up, wake up. Get over here and let's clean this mess up. Now, what gift is that in operation? The gift of meanness. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> it's the gift of leadership. Now, if you're sitting by somebody with the gift of leadership, point at them. And don't point at me. Don't point at me. Come on. This is a gift. I mean, the ability to organize and get things rolling and get things moving, man, that's a spiritual gift. All right, if you were going to take test, man, don't worry about this, baby. I've spilled, I've spilled so many things. You're not going to believe that. I've got ties in my closet that got so much food on them. You can make soup out of that. Baby, everybody does this. Don't worry about it. Now, if that's your response, what is your gift? It's the gift of encouragement, man. You love to go into somebody's life and build them up and you don't want them to feel bad. You're just trying to normalize everything, man. You're going to be okay. All right, how about this? Oh, listen. This is a terrible accident. I'm so sorry that you lost that. And you know what? You're going to get through this. You're going to get through this, Tess. <laughs> what gift is that? That's the gift of mercy. Who's the best people in our church to go to the hospital and pray for people who are suffering? People with the gift of mercy. We should all go. But I'll tell you, the people who do the most good are the people who have that gift of mercy because they just, they just flow that love out. All right, here we go. Now, Tess, <clears throat> let me help you out with this. When I was a kid, my parents taught me that you should always keep your plate three inches away from the edge of the table. It's that wide. Hold your fingers up just like this. Three inches away. Now you put it just like that and you make sure that plate always stays that far away. This is from the Hebrew word trifingeraka, which means three inches away from the edge of the table. Okay. Now if you do this, you will never mess this up again like this. All right. Now what gift is that? Teaching. Dude, if you just like explaining stuff, you like explaining how it works and how you can make it work right. And you just always teaching, always coaching like that. Then you have the gift of teaching. Amen. Now, if you're the person who would say, Tess, did your mother never teach you not to let your plate get too close to the edge of the table here? Because what she's trying to show you is guardrails. Those guardrails are for your protection to keep something embarrassing and wasteful like this from ever happening again. Girl, when are you going to repent and do what your mama said? Because you know what the Bible says, if you repent, times of refreshing will come. Okay? So just remember that. Now, if you did that, what's your gift? Prophecy. You a black and white thinker, right? This is what the Bible says. This is what we do. You don't see near as much gray as everybody else. And we just love being around you when we make mistakes, right? And I can't laugh about it because I kind of got that gift, right? But let, hey, y'all, let's thank the Lord for Tess and her helping us out with this, all right? I'm going to get you some pie before it's over, girl. All right? But now listen, you've got one of those spiritual gifts. You have it right now. And friends, I want to encourage you to use it to bring glory to God. Now, the day you recognize that you have a spiritual gift and you name it and you put it into play in your church, your spiritual growth is going to skyrocket. And you're going to be just like Jesus at that well in Sychar. You are going to begin to experience a joy and a sense of fulfillment that you will never experience sitting on your blessed assurance watching everybody else serve. Now, one reason we have so much joy at our church is so many compassionate Christians are in play using their gifts to serve the Lord. I mean, think back to that woman at the well story. Jesus was filled with satisfaction because, you know, as a son of God, he had all the gifts and he used all the gifts that day to bless that woman. He knew everything about her. He didn't judge her. His heart was moved with mercy toward her. And then he served her by starting a conversation that, that, that would encourage her. And then he, he went on from there to, okay, let me get my notes straightened back out here, y'all. Okay, hold on. 
Hold on. He tried to teach her about the Messiah. She had questions that he wanted to answer that. When she got evasive, and you know, he spoke the truth to her about her sexual addiction and her codependency and kind of called her up. And then he led her to deal with reality. And then he gave her the gift of eternal life. And then he encouraged her to go back home where she could make a difference. Friends, Jesus is the only person in the world who had all the gifts, but he used every one of them to make a difference and it gave him a sense of satisfaction that his disciples did not have. Now, wouldn't you like to have some of that? Then you've got to do what Jesus did. And that is make a difference by deploying your gifts. Now, I want to encourage you to pull out one of these cards that you received when you came in your seat. Pull this card out. And friends, we just want to start filling these things out and I'm going to ask you to do this right now. Now, this, one of these cards is a description of all of the ministries that, that we're going to try to sign folks up for today. Uh, you can read through this card and get an idea of what, what's coming up. The other card is literally where you sign in and you sign up. Now, if you are brand new and you need a little bit more time, just click this top line. I don't wish to serve on a team at this time. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm trying to figure this thing out. But if you're already in the game and you're already serving somewhere, man, we want you to let us know. So just write the name of the team that you're serving on right now so we'll know. And if you're here and you love the Lord and you love the church, but you're not on a team yet, and you're thinking, man, I want to make a difference because I want it to ha have happened in my heart what's happening in Jesus' heart, then, man, let's pick a place to get all in and then check one of these boxes. Now, I want to ask you to pick one box. Pick one. I know some of y'all think, ooh, I want to do the singing, and I want to do production, and I want to work with kids. And I Please don't do that. Because if you pick 10 things, number one, we'll have 15,000 calls to make this week and it'll be impossible. And we just want you to pick one. Pick one area where you think you can make a difference and you check it and we'll get in contact with you and man, we'll put you into play. Now, our guys are going to be coming down. Give us a couple minutes to fill these cards out, guys. Give everybody time to legibly and neatly print your information and mark your card. But while they're doing that, let me tell you about the difference all this can make. I went into an office today, and I was over on Chatham Parkway, and as I was leaving, the nurse stopped me and she said, hey, you know, we do a food uh, collection project every Thanksgiving, and we like to give it to people who are poor, and the organization that we used last year went out of business. Can your church help us get this food to people in need? Do y'all know any people in need? And I was like, uh, yes. We help a thousand needy people in our community every month through our Lighthouse ministry. We feed 10,000 public school children every month who suffer from food anxiety in our city. Yes, we can help. Now, when I talked about helping these children, if something in you just jumped and you thought, man, I want to do that, then all you got to do is go to CompassionCompassionGo.com. And friends, I'm telling you, you can learn how to serve locally here in our community. You can learn how you can serve globally on a mission team anytime you're ready to get, get all in. Now, Jesus said when you serve people in need, it's just like serving him. For example, why don't you look at this ministry team card. Look at, the, look at the ministry that's listed number two down on the left. And ironically, it's called the all-in team. Now, this is a team that reaches out to our friends at our church on, on all of our campuses who have special needs. And my little friend Lily is uh, one of those uh, children. Now, you got to know that if you have a special needs child, caring for that child, that's 24-7. That is 24-7 unless you're part of a church like this. 
Man, when you come to Compassion, there is a specifically designed classroom area for your child where they can meet every week and then they get linked up with a, uh, what they call a sidekick, kind of a buddy, and that's a volunteer who's going to befriend your child and make sure they're comfortable and learn about Jesus in the best possible environment. And then one Saturday night every month, that All-In team throws a party, and it's a party for those students, but it's also a parent's night out for her parents. And that's where her parents can have you know, a moment of respite and a moment of rest, and little Lily can have fun and food and fellowship with friends she's already comfortable with at church. You know, people just like you who make a difference in the life of little girls like Lily and her parents. Now, I want to show you some of those folks who do that. This next picture... This is my buddy Paul. Now, Paul is a scientist. He is literally a propulsion and thermodynamics engineer out at Gulfstream, and he has been making a difference caring for special need children at our church for 14 years. 14 years in a row. Now, look at this next rough-looking group right here. This guy right here, Kevin, is a, uh, he's an electrician, and I just want you to know he has saved my life multiple times. Death by shock, right? This is his wife, Yvonne. That's their special needs son, Brandon. And so Kevin and Yvonne are both contributors and they benefit from the blessing of this ministry. Uh, this guy right here, Jim and his wife, Cheryl. Jim's the guy who built the Toshiba Power Systems plant out on I-16 and ran that deal for a long time. Uh, he and Cheryl are involved in that ministry. Jim also is the chaplain for the local Harley-Davidson dealership and a couple other rider groups, which, well, go unnamed. But anyway, he's the guy they call when somebody gets killed or somebody dies or somebody gets shot and they need somebody to pray for him. Jim's the guy they call. This guy, Ron, right here is a moonshiner. And uh, <laughs> that's what his wife told me. I called Stacy up and said, what's your husband do for a living? He's a moonshiner. He is not a moonshiner. Now she might be, but he's not. He is a retired pilot for the Coast Guard. And now he's some kind of secret agent for the Coast Guard. And I could tell you what he does, but then he'd have to come kill us all. So I won't tell you what that is. But this is Ron and his wife, Stacy, who works here at our church. Now, the reason I put this picture up here is because, you know, sometimes you think, well, I would serve, but I'm busy. These are busy people. These are busy people who have carved out time to make a difference in the life of special needs kids. And they are receiving because of that a soul satisfaction that they have never gotten in the business world, as important as the business world may be. Peter told us why. And he told us how to experience what Jesus felt at the well that day. He said, each one of us has received a gift. We need to use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So join them. Sign up. Show up. Power up your gifts. And then, friend, you will fill up with joy and peace and fruitfulness and fulfillment that your friends won't understand until they join you. Now, Jesus lived every day with deep peace and deep soul satisfaction, and he showed us how to make a difference. Follow him. Father, thank you. Thank you for the little opportunities you give us to serve every day. We see them at work. We see them at school. Lord, we know about them here at church, and we just have to choose. We have to choose if we will serve or not. We have to choose if we will prioritize, Lord, using our time for you or not. And I pray, God, that every compassionate Christian will choose to serve somewhere, somewhere here at church, 
so that, Lord, many hands can, you know, make the work light, Lord, so that together, Father, we can create an environment where lost people can be saved and saved people can be discipled and discipled people can be deployed to bring glory to you, Lord, around the world. Father, I want to thank you that service is a part of discipleship, that we can't grow deep unless we serve like Jesus did. And yet there's that invitation to serve that's always there for us. I pray, God, that because of this message today, that we will think less of ourselves and more of others and look for opportunities to do what Jesus did and serve. And we pray this in his strong name. And all God's people said, amen. amen.